Episode 178 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by Cloud Accounting Software FreshBooks, offering you a free 30-day unrestricted trial. To claim yours, go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. The word marketing can be scary and it's like, oh, it's scammy and sucky and it's kind of used car salesman and oh no. So I think the first thing is reframing marketing completely. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi, and welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to your personal and professional growth. We talk, of course, about leadership and also get into topics like personal growth, productivity, career, business, marketing, sales, and entrepreneurship. It's marketing getting defocused today, specifically how to market your book. In a moment, you and I are going to be joined by author Joanna Penn. She's written a book called How to Market a Book. How apropos. I'll ask Joanna to share about getting into the proper mindset to effectively market your book. The best time to begin the process of marketing your book. Joanna's insights on sampling and pricing and plenty more. More and more today, a lot of business leaders, professionals and entrepreneurs are writing books in order to expand their business or to demonstrate their expertise. But after writing the book, you still have to market it however you decide to publish, whether you publish it yourself or go the traditional route. And that's what Joanna is going to help us figure out today. Before we check in with Joanna, I'd like to remind you about our sponsor, cloud accounting software, FreshBooks, and what they can do for you and your business, whether you're a freelancer or are a traditional business owner, FreshBooks is a great accounting solution. In the past, we've heard from listeners of the podcast who run local pharmacies or marketing agencies or do freelance work, all using FreshBooks and wouldn't ever consider anything else. I'm certainly one of those people. It's been redesigned, by the way, from the ground up and has been custom built for exactly the way people like you and me work. So if you want the simplest way to be more productive and organized, and most importantly, you want to get paid fast, FreshBooks is for you. You can create and send professionally looking invoices in just a few seconds. You can set up online payments with just a couple of clicks and get paid up to four days faster. That's always cool. You can see when your client has viewed your invoice, uh, which helps put an end to the guessing games and much, much more. Right now, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial. And all you need to do to claim it is go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section again that website one more time is freshbooks.com slash read to lead joanna penn is an award-nominated and new york times and usa today best-selling author of thrillers under the name jf penn and she also writes inspirational nonfiction for authors and is an award-winning creative entrepreneur and international professional speaker. Her site, thecreativepen.com, that's two N's, is regularly voted one of the top 10 sites for writers and self-publishers. And over the last few weeks, I've had a chance to get familiar with her work and invited her to come onto the show, and I'm excited she's here. Joanna, welcome to Read to Lead. 
Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I've had a guest on in the past to talk about the process of writing a book. I've even had a guest on uh, who came to talk about creating multiple streams of income from a book, but we've never had anybody on specifically to talk about how to, to market a book. And and this is something that a lot of, of authors, whether you're going the self-publishing route or, or the traditional route, uh, you have to think about this. Uh, even though it's going the traditional publishing route, oftentimes the publisher looks at you, don't they, and say, okay, now it's now it's your turn. Now go go sell these things. Isn't that right? Yes. And in fact, um, you know, having looked at many of your guests on the show, you know, these days, traditional publishers will actually seek out bloggers. They'll seek out, you know, people who have an audience already and then sort of offer them a book deal off the back of their existing platform as such. Um, I know you're you're familiar with the sort of platform building side of things. Of course, we've got this podcast, which Mm -hmm. is a a platform as such. But yes, however you're going to publish these days, learning how to market a book is just super important. And, And actually, a lot of of book marketing is also relevant for you know marketing yourself as a speaker or also for marketing your business and uh, you know I was I was at Thriller Fest recently I'm also a thriller author and heard Lee Charles speak you know one of the biggest thriller writers in the world and he said never talk about the book it's all about making people like you and then they might like the book so and I think that's relevant for pretty much anyone listening as a you know whether you're an employee or an entrepreneur mm, good advice good advice well Joanna kicks off the book to talk about mindset and and having the proper mindset regarding your book's marketing. Share, Share some insights there if you would, Joanna. Well, I think, you know, the problem for many people is that marketing, the word marketing can be scary. And it's like, oh, it's scammy and sucky. And it's kind of used car salesman. And oh, no, you know, I just want to write and or help people, but Mm. I just don't want to do the marketing. So I think the first thing is reframing marketing completely. Um, And I think about it as marketing is sharing what you love with people who will appreciate hearing about it. Mm. So you don't go buy my book, buy my book. You like you think about, well, what will people find interesting or useful like hopefully in this show we'll give people lots of useful tips um, and sharing things that we love and people will find that useful and you know uh, you know again uh, one of the things I do and this this hopefully will help people realize what I mean it's about sharing personality so I really mm. like graveyards uh, <laughs> and I often <laughs> I often use this I go to graveyards take pictures so mm. I, I was in New Orleans uh, earlier this year and took lots of pictures of graveyards and and put them on on Twitter and things like that now now, many people listening will be like, oh, she's really weird. I, you know, what is she talking about? And the other half of the audience, because I, it is pretty much 50%, will go, wow, I really love graveyards. So I'm interested mm. in what she's might be talking about. So that's an example of sort of sharing something that I'm interested in that has nothing to do necessarily with a book, but it attracts people to me as a person or turns people off. So that's actually something I think is really important is you don't have to, and in fact, if you do try try and lie or you do try and hide who you really are, you're going to really struggle because marketing is a, a long-term thing. And if you're honest about what you love, you're going to attract a community of people who are into it. So for example, what I love about your podcast is it's all about reading. <laughs> so if people don't want to read either in print or through audio, for example, they're not going to be interested in your podcast. And right. you've made that very clear. Um, so this is another thing around branding, I guess. But yes, yeah, so first of all, changing your mindset and sharing what you love being who you are is just super important oh that that is that is so true i i think you have to be willing to identify 
who you who what you're doing is not for i guess is, is the mm. way the way to say it um and and through this process um i think a lot of the decisions that you make regarding your book's marketing you can you can often pigeonhole yourself into thinking what is this the right decision is this the wrong decision but whatever you decide has to be a good fit for you personally it has to feel true to you and there's a, a series of decisions that you make along the way where in other words there really isn't a right or a wrong answer. Joanna, share, if you would, a bit about what you call the polarities of marketing, sort of the spectrum or continuum where, where decisions fall and, and, and where you go may, may slide one way or the other on that continuum. Is that, is that a good way to frame it? Yeah, sure. And because uh, so many people come to me when they've just published a book and they're like, tell me, how do I sell lots of books? You know, how do I market a book? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, this is a big, big question. And the decisions that you make will uh, make a very big difference as to what you do. So, for example, Ryan Holiday has a new book out, I'm sure you've seen, called mm -hmm. Perennial Seller, um, which is super interesting. So, and the example of a perennial seller is completely different to something that you want to hit number one on the New York Times and then disappear. So, the kind of, and we're talking sort of the one hit wonder in the same in the music industry, the one hit wonder who hits the top of the charts, everyone's like, yay, and then it disappears. Mm. Like Gangnam Style is a good yeah. example, <laughs> you know, a song that everyone kind of heard of and then disappeared. Um, whereas you compare someone like, um, you know, Bob Dylan, um, still cruising around doing his thing, <laughs> you know, and, and reinventing himself. So short term versus long term marketing is a classic example of the difference in that polarity. Again, you and I both have podcasts and you and I know that a podcast is not short-term marketing. <laughs> I mean, it takes a while to build up your audience that way, for people to develop your voice as a habit, um, that type of thing. Whereas short-term marketing for books could be something like BookBub. And if people don't know BookBub, um, it's a, a service, like an email service. They have the email list and some of their um, subcategories are over a million readers. Mm. And if you put your book on sale, you can um, basically buy an ad on BookBub and it will send your book up to often the top 100 or even top 10 of Amazon and you know you can do really well and uh, that's very exciting for people to get for their promotion mm -hmm. so short term versus long term is is a really big deal with um with a polarity and then another thing I think, especially for nonfiction authors, who most of your audience will be, is the income versus brand building. So I'm, you know, I'm a full-time writer. Mm. I intend to make money <laughs> with all of my books, which is part of the reason I'm an independent author. So I have my own publishing company because I can make 70% royalties as opposed to 7 to 10%. Mm. But many people who have their own business or who have their own platform might make money with other things. So sponsorship or consulting or speaking, where the money from the book is not necessarily the most important thing. It might be more important to have the kudos of mm. Random House on the spine and be able to say to um, someone who's planning a big event, hey, look at me, I've got a hardback, you know, from Wiley or whatever. So that income versus brand building is another example. Of course, there are tons more, but just one more before we move on. And that is you as a, a personality, because I think this is so important. I'm an introvert. And so for me, Going to events is really hard. It's really exhausting. And since Susan Cain put out Quiet, which is another amazing book, many people have realized, oh, I, you know, I'm not abnormal. I'm just an introvert. <laughs> so if you are an introvert listening, uh, you don't have to go to lots of events. You know, that's not necessary these days with the Internet. You can, for example, do podcasts like this, which are, are great ways of, of marketing, but without having to be in a crowd of hundreds of people. So I think understanding whether you're an introvert or an extrovert 
convert can also help you decide on the type of marketing that will suit you and your book. Joanna mentioned her own podcast. We'll put a link in in the show notes so you can find that uh, easily, The Creative Pen. Joanna, what is the best time to begin this process? Is is it while you're still working on the book or, or or is that too soon? Should you finish the book first and then think about this stuff? I think it's it's really going to depend, you know, partly on those polarities. Mm-hmm. So uh, someone who has, um, I'm thinking of someone like uh, Lewis Howes, you know, who who has built up a massive audience and then gets a book deal later off the back of a of a big audience. Um, or Jeff Goins, I think you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, who's in Nashville as well. And you know, people who have kind of built them up at the same time. But that's if you do it quite intentionally. <laughs> so then there's you know, then there's other people who are like, oh, you know. I think, oh, suddenly I've realized I'm an expert in this area um, and I've already got, say, a an offline business. You know, maybe you're a chiropractor or something and you've already got a, a physical place and you think, oh, I could write a book. So the, the marketing side, I think, will depend on where you are and what you want to do. But if you are intending to make money with your book and if you, you know, if you want to have an ecosystem around your book, say, as a speaker, um, then, yes, it is really well worth starting to build up an audience before you publish your book. Um, So, you know, build up uh, people who want to hear about what you're doing before you put a book out there. So I started my site back in 2008 and, um, you know, started blogging about what it meant to self-publish back before even you know the Kindle went international mm. and then over time that kind of developed into people who were ready to buy my books so that's how I developed but you can definitely do it the other way um, what I would say is as soon as you uh, have a website or if you have one already and you don't have an email list sign up that is the thing to do sort of the number one thing to get sorted early is have something that people can get for free on your website so you can start building up an email list and if you haven't got that the best time is now (laughs) so that (laughs) when you do have a book then you can actually talk to them yeah the best time was several years ago the second best time is today right exactly (laughs) yeah when do you plant a tree thing (laughs) right 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 you mentioned jeff goins he's the author who has appeared on the show more than any other or as some like to say the guest we can't get rid of (laughs) (laughs) jeff and i are friends i like to i like to tease uh you'll be here a lot these days about the importance of keywords i don't know if you know uh, dave chesson uh, yes, of course. Kindlepreneur. Yeah, KDP Rocket, I think, is his his product that he sells. Talking about keywords, well, I hear the importance of you know, launching a book and knowing what your keywords are and you know how to be findable and all that. How do you begin to come up with the right keywords, Joanna? And once you do, how do you how do you leverage those? How do you use them? Well, I think that, you know, a really important thing about keywords and, and almost thinking about building your audience early is about considering who your audience is. So, um, for example, my first book and, and using keywords is even important in your book title. So yeah. let's, you know, take it that high up. And also SEO, search engine optimization, which hopefully everyone will know about, is important on your website. So these kind of keywords or keyword phrases are important across your whole business. So my first my very first book was about finding a job uh, that you enjoy because I really hated my job <laughs> back when I was an IT consultant. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I had this really long title first, which was, you know, how to find, how to find uh, your, sorry, how to enjoy your job or find a new one, which, mm. you know, obviously I'm stumbling over. It's a terrible <laughs> title. Um, but when I actually did the keyword research, when I learned about this, I discovered that the phrase career change is an excellent keyword. So mm. I changed the book title to career change. And immediately the book started selling about 
10 times as many copies because oh, wow. people are actually looking for the phrase uh, career change. So mm. if, if you go on Amazon right now, you'll find my book on page one. And also what also happened was I started getting phone calls from the BBC, from, um, you know, Sky News, from all these different um, media agencies who wow. go on the Internet and type in career change in the first week of January every year, <laughs> which is when I tend to get back on TV um, to talk about that book. So if you think about, you know, if you're listening and you want to get more press for your business, keywords in your book title are critically important for who you want to target for both your customers and also for media. So that's the best place to start for keywords is to consider who you're targeting and then what they might be typing into Google or into Amazon. And there are lots of um, uh, tools you can use. So obviously you mentioned KDP Rocket is, is one for searching Amazon, but you there are lots of tools for Google, you know, looking at Google keywords um, and that type of thing. But it is, it's something to think holistically about in terms of your expertise and, you know, for your podcast, for your, you know, your website, for everything you do, you know, thinking about niche or niche, I think you call it in America, <laughs> is so important. Uh, niche is probably the correct pronunciation. Just to, <laughs> <laughs> I think that the, the, the British are ahead of us on that one. <laughs> Absolutely, as always. <laughs> as always, as always. Um, well, you know, one of the things I love about walking into a physical bookstore, which I still do occasionally, is being able to just pick a book up off the shelf and sample it. And, you know, I think Amazon, among others, was very smart about giving you that ability uh, as both a publisher and a, and a potential buyer to be able to sample uh, the first few pages of, of a book you're considering. Talk about the importance of those first few pages, uh, Joanna, as an author and, and what you can do specifically to hook someone to buy your book, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. And first of all, I mean, I love physical bookstores as well. But the, the reality is that there are hundreds of thousands of books published like every year now, <laughs> just in America, let alone anywhere else. And so bookstores cannot hold all of those books. But brilliantly on the Internet, we can hold all of those books in online stores like Amazon. So um, I've, I've been reading digitally, um, you know, since the Kindle went international because uh, books are very expensive where I was living in Australia. So I got on this early and it kind of changed my life. So I'm a real... Uh, sort of evangelist for this but but sampling so how I read is you know uh, I'm I was looking through your website you know before this and going oh that looks interesting and I go onto Amazon I download a sample to my Kindle and I read on a Kindle device but also on my phone and I think a lot of people read on their phone mm. these days and the sample you can't determine the sample but it's the first certain percentage of your book oh, okay. so um so that and that's really important so if you and the biggest problem I see with non-fiction authors is um, putting a forward in the front of an ebook. So this is crazy, right? Because in a print book, you pick it up and there's a forward written by some important person in your niche mm -hmm. who has um, said how amazing your book is, or the first few pages are full of quotes from all the important people you've got. <laughs> but if you put those in the first few pages of your ebook, a customer like me may only see that. They may not get to the meat of your book, especially mm -hmm. if it's a shorter book. So what I suggest is um, those, those quotes, those lovely quotes and reviews can go in your Amazon page under the editorial review section and your ebook should go straight into the meat of the book um, and the meat should be you know why should someone read your book and with nonfiction, you're solving problems that people have right and you've got to hook me in the first mm. page that I know that you're the right person so many people start with something that's kind of proves that they're the right person and also almost overemphasizing the problem so that the person really wants to read on 
so, so those are some of the important things. But the main thing is, please don't put a forward in the front <laughs> of your nonfiction book. And it's amazing how common it is. And all that will happen, you know, I'm hardcore. I will give a book maybe three clicks of my Kindle, mm. three pages. And, you know, I, there are so many books out there to read that it's critical you hook me early or, or I'll just delete the sample. Wow, that is some amazing insight. I never would have would have thought about the importance of that and not realizing first and foremost that it's a percentage of the overall book that you don't have control over that as an author. Yeah, and also what I find incredible is that there's many books that are still not available as eBooks. So if you're someone who has a book deal, um, then definitely make sure you you have an eBook available mm. and that it is international. So I'm in the UK, obviously. Mm. I make most of my money in the US. So I'm, I make sure my books are always available internationally on day one. Um, because our marketing is international, right? Mm. There are people listening to this all over the world. So if your book is not available in Australia uh, as an ebook or Britain or India, then you're missing out on sales from those people. China, huge nonfiction, mm. voracious readership in China of English language books. Oh, wow. Yeah, and India as well. Massive, much, much bigger than Britain or Australia in terms of market. So make sure your book's an ebook. And, uh, you know, we're not really talking about publishing, but if you haven't licensed your intellectual property rights, at, you know, in these other countries, so maybe you signed a book deal for US, Canada, then think about self publishing in the other countries and you'll have another income stream, which is pretty cool. Mm. And now is probably not the best time to tell you that my mom is the only one that listens to my podcast. <laughs> well, maybe your mom wants to get a book out. My, my mom has. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I think my mom has several books in her. Uh, she'll probably start with child rearing and then go from there because she's got some stories she could tell on me for sure. Uh, talk a bit, if you would, Joanna, about the sort of the ins and outs of, of long term marketing and, and you know, building your, your author platform. You know, maybe, maybe you're considering writing multiple books like as you have along the way. Yeah. So sort of when you write that first book, often people think that that is the only thing. And I made the mistake, as many people do, of starting a website around my first book. Mm. Um, so my first website was around career change. And I was rapidly very bored with that. <laughs> so what, what I suggest, and that's how I came up with the creative pen with a double N, um, because I was like, oh, I could use that forever. Um, <laughs> I don't have to grow into that. So mm. this is a really big question and it can be hard, but you need to think about like, what do you want to be known as in five years time or 10 years time? because I'm I started writing in 2006 so I'm in year 11 mm. at the moment um, so where do you want to be in five years or 10 years time what do you want to be known as how do you want people to find you how do you want to be making money because I wanted to be out of consulting day job and I wanted to be making money with my writing so if you start thinking about that you can start considering what your platform might be mm. um, so again I'm an introvert I'm not going to do a lot of in-person events or I don't really like video um, I do some video but not too much. So for me, starting a podcast um, back in 2009 was something that I wanted to do because I was like, wow, I could reach people. And what's also brilliant being British is a lot of Americans like listening to British voices. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> so that gives, you know, that's a good example of a choice about author platform based on the target market. So consider how do you, how do you want to be known? How do you want to reach customers for the next five to 10 years? Because the platform is the thing that can... Um, 
you know, create these multiple income streams. For example, when I started my podcast, uh, I didn't have many listeners and I certainly wasn't making any money. But now I have corporate sponsors like you do, um, which basically mean that it's self-sustaining and actually makes an income. So these are things that you grow based on your your platform and your book sales can uh, just be a part of that. So if you build it first, (laughs) then you will be able to um, sell people books and products and other things. But more than that, you're serving your community. And because you know your community a lot better, you can serve them in a more effective way. And it kind of creates this snowball effect. So your business grows and your income grows and, and your service to those people grows as well. I want to key in on something you said there a moment ago about, about doing you know the things that really fit you and your personality. We talked about that early on as well. I have been told by everyone around me, Jeff, you got to do video. You got to do video. But I highlighted this sentence uh, from Joanna's book and let out a big hoorah when I read it. I am never going to do much live video because it's just not me. <laughs> I was like, yes, there, there's someone out there like me who doesn't want to do live video. That's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And also, as, as we said before the call, you know, I said to you, is this your real voice or is this, you know, is this a, a voice you develop? You have a voice for audio. Mm. And that's the thing. You know, we, we have to, when we're thinking about platform, we're thinking about what is self-sustaining over the long term. And if you're like, oh, I hate, I do not want to do a video, then that is not going to be sustaining for the long term. And and also, do you want to build yourself another job? You know, do you want to be doing the stuff you, you said you would never do again? So, yeah, I think knowing yourself is a huge part of book marketing, but also, you know, the sort of the entrepreneur and our life in general. What advice would you give, just general advice, Joanna, uh, regarding uh, the launch process? One of the one of the things I see a lot of authors do uh, when launching their books on, on Amazon is they offer it, uh, say, free for so many days and, and things of that nature. Uh, discuss what you've seen works there during the launch phase and, and maybe what doesn't. Yeah. So um, I guess, first of all, if it is it, it will de- de- depend on your definition of success. Uh, mm-hmm. This is so important for everything. So if your definition of success is, say, hitting number one on the New York Times list, there are things that you can specifically do to make that happen. Um, you will have to spend a lot of money, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, if your definition of success is, you know, let's say selling 2,000 copies or let's say making, you know, $1,000, then you'll do things in a different way. So if you have a platform, then you'll see a lot of nonfiction authors um, will be doing pre-orders for their book before the book is actually out. And I know mm. you've had some authors on your show who've used this kind of strategy, mm. sort of pre-order my my hardback um, at these specific stores and you will get all of these bonuses. Mm. And that, that has been working pretty well for print editions. And often those authors are trying to hit some kind of list. Um, however, I've hit the New York Times and the USA to d- d- day list with um, ebooks. Uh, they have changed the rules on the New York Times, but mm. you can still hit the USA Today by selling sort of 10,000 copies in a week if you have the right kind of promotion. And that's where things like BookBub, things like Facebook advertising, Amazon advertising, um, and doing a, a, a price reduction are important. But what's interesting about this launch idea is actually you can get much better traction with your paid advertising when you have reviews on your book. Mm. So, so 
um, if, an, if a book is just coming out on day one, it might not have any reviews or very few. So the other really important thing is getting your some of your community into a kind of launch team who can read your book um, and you're not allowed, according to the terms and services of Amazon, to give anything in exchange for a review. Mm. So you can't say that. But what you can say is um, these are advanced reader copies, which the traditional publishing industry has done for years. It's completely right. normal. And if you would like to write a review on this day, I'd really appreciate it. Right. <laughs> um, and many of your readers will actually buy the book as well. That's what I find, you know. Mm. Um, and also in terms of the pricing, I, you know, you can, there are two schools of thought. One, that you put it free to or cheap to, to reward your existing customers. So a 99 cents, for example, and then a week later, put it up to 9.99 if, you know, nonfiction can be a lot higher than fiction. Um, or that you start high so that you can actually maximize your revenue from the people who intend to buy your book. And then um, later on, you bring it down in a sale when the sales drop off. So that's much more of a traditional publishing point of view. So there are, again, different variables on your launch. The main thing is decide on that definition of success, decide on, you know, how many people you have in your network who can help you launch and then make a plan. But generally do it earlier than when the book is actually out. Right. <laughs> well, when, when you get set to, to launch a book, uh, what criteria do you use, Joanna, to decide how much to charge for, for one of your ebooks? Is there a, a formula you use or is it just on a whim? Or I, I assume it's intentional. Yes, I, I do have an intentional um, price uh, for it will depend to me on the value to the customer. So, for example, I have a, a, a book out how to make a living with your writing. That's two ninety nine, two dollars ninety nine um, as ebook. And I think it's about seven ninety nine in print. It's a short book. <laughs> it's also my most high, you know, high selling book because mm. it's, you know, people want that. But the reason it's um, the prices there is because it's quite a short book, whereas this book, um, how to market a book is more expensive it's about four times the size mm, mm. <laughs> so one you get you know a lot more for your money but also uh you know it's just a different angle so um, one thing that is important is with amazon pricing if you price between 2.99 and 9.99 for ebook then you'll get that 70 percent royalty if you self-publish so that's mm. why a lot of self-published authors sit in that sweet spot whereas gotcha. a lot of traditionally published authors will see their books over the 9.99 mm. mark what i would say is that kobo and ibooks don't have that cut off so you can still get a higher rate which is which is pretty cool but yes generally have a look at what other people are pricing look at the length of your book and length is not massively important in the digital world so um you know you can have a short book that's really great and people will be happy it doesn't have to be ninety thousand words anymore <laughs> so uh, those are some of the aspects of pricing but but remember that you do want to use pricing as a marketing tool um in your toolkit as such mm. i run a private uh, book club made up of uh, listeners of the podcast and they had submitted as they often do a number of questions of their own that I was going to ask separately and publish just to them uh, but as it turns out and I love this uh, many of those questions that they submitted you've already talked about <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, to kill two birds with one stone there so to speak um, I do have some questions do you want to not directly related to the book uh, but before I jump into those is there anything else uh, from how to market a book that you want to make sure that we know? 
Yeah, I think I think one thing that is important is you can relaunch older books. So I did ah. hit the USA Today last year with books I published five years ago in a box set. So ah. digital box sets are really awesome. And those books were five years old and yeah, hit the list. So that's really important. So don't think that if your book is already out there, that it's too late. You can have a new cover. Um, and in fact, another tip, if you have had book deals before and you can get your rights back or perhaps they are out of print in inverted commas or, you know, there's some way of relaunching your work, then this is something that's very, um, can be quite lucrative. Uh, so definitely think about relaunching older books and remember that a book is new to the person who has just heard about it. Mm -hmm. So that's really important. Mm -hmm. uh, well, whether nonfiction or fiction, I'd love for you to share, Joanna, uh, the books that are having an impact on you. What have you read in the last uh, year or two that is still with you and helping you today in some way? Yes, well, I was just having a look on your site and you've got one of them, uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport. Ah, I think yes. a lot a lot of people will mention this, you know, in a world where we're so distracted by um, everything on the internet. <laughs> uh, and of course, we need the internet to run our business, but it can, uh, you know, take us out there. And, and as mm. a fiction writer as well, I'm writing another novel at the moment and I need that deep work. So mm. although I read digitally, I have deep work on my desk as a reminder mm. that I need to turn everything off and go and do my deep work every every day in order to actually create, because if I'm not creating, then what is the point? Um, the other book that I really recommend to people and that's helping me is um, Unshakable by Tony Robbins, mm. which is very American. So for anyone outside of America, you have to kind of substitute whatever your own financial situation is <laughs> with your own words. But mm. it's very good because I think, um, you know, you reach a point, if, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you've been putting money back into your business, growing your business and all of that. And then you get to a point where you you think, as I do now at 42, uh, is it, you know, have I created another job for myself? You know, how can I start looking at investing in the future? So if you're thinking about the financial situation and given the political world we live in right now, I think people are, then Tony Robbins Unshakable is a really great place to start, um, you know, to consider finances. Uh, and one more, if, if I may, yeah. um, it's called The White Cat and the Monk. Uh, it's actually a like a it's not a children's book, but it's um, illustrated uh, graphic book, mm. and it's a parable. It's an ancient Celtic parable, and there's basically a monk and a white cat who live in the monastery, and and it's about comparisonitis. Uh, so the monk does his work illustrating um, the Bible, and the cat just sits in the sun, chases butterflies, and I think this is something very difficult uh, online is that we think that everyone else is having this amazing life, whatever. <laughs> when we're having a bad day or we feel like we're not good enough or we're not doing enough or how, why can't we be as successful as that person? Um, and this book reminds me that I just need to do my work, get on with my, uh, illustration or whatever it is. And mm. the white cat has his job, which is catching the mouse and sitting in the sun and that we all have different roles to play. So those are the three books I have on my desk that kind of keep me focused. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, I want to ask you too, Joanna, as, as an international professional speaker, uh, what advice could you share in, in that realm? What are some, some tips for delivering, in your view, an impactful and memorable public talk? 
Well, I think the most important, you know, coming back to knowing your audience, um, you know, again, as an introvert and anxiety, like many people have before speaking, <laughs> is to remember that it's not about you. Mm. And again, podcasting is the same. It's not about you, the host. It's not about you as the speaker. It's actually about making sure the people in the audience get what they came for or get something that they weren't expecting, mm. but get something from your talk. So again, it's not about, yay, here I am. I'm amazing. It's about offering the most useful stuff to them. And to me, that's why you have to research the audience beforehand. So I will often, um, you know, when I'm booked to speak, I'll often try and find out as much as possible uh, about the conference or about the type of people who are there. So, uh, you know, I would talk very differently about writing a nonfiction book than I would about writing a novel. These are two completely different talks to completely different audiences. Or, or even book marketing is different for fiction and nonfiction. So, if you know your audience, you can tailor those um, your talk to those people. And also it takes the pressure off you because mm. you can be like, OK, I know that those people will find that useful. So that's what I will deliver. And that takes the emphasis off me having to be amazing because, <laughs> you know, you, if you I'm a content speaker, you know, I, I give people lots of useful things. And uh, that's kind of what I aim for. So hopefully that helps is really just get to know your audience. That will also help with your blog, with your um, and with your book as well. What's next for you? What are you uh, working on? Maybe you and your team that, that that's got you excited. Yes. Um, well, I'm doing a lot. I'm doing a, a fantasy novel right now, so I, mm. I tend to do fiction and nonfiction at the same time. I'm I'm writing this fantasy novel which is based around maps and cartography and borders, and it's very deep and meaningful, but also a kind of adventure. But <laughs> that's um, my fiction side. On my nonfiction side, really exciting is that I'm doing a book called uh, The Healthy Writer, uh, which I'm co-writing with a medical doctor. Doctor. And I think that what's happened in the writer community is that quite similar to the corporate world, a lot of people have RSI and back pain and mm. eye strain and all these things. So my community who are writers all suffer from the same problems as the cubicle slaves. And this is not the point of having a life that you want, you know, so <laughs> physical health will actually um, help you create for the long term. So um, we're working on that book right now. And that will be out in January 2018 in, in time for self-help season. <laughs> but um, I am excited about that because one thing I see in the author community, you know, if people are sort of, oh, my dream has been to write a book and they've written their book, but their body is kind of screwed up because they've been hunched over for, for ages. So this is something that I think is so important in um, in all of our work. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm standing up now. I'm at a standing desk. So that's something that I think is really important. Yeah, I, I actually have a motorized uh, stand-up desk, so I can I can go up and down throughout the course of the day. I'm sitting now, but as soon as uh, we're done, I'm going to be standing <laughs> for a little yeah, while. Yeah, well, I think, and you know, working on the internet, it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, you really have to look after your body or we're all going to just die early. <laughs> uh, that's, that's true. That's true. Well, uh, Joanna, this was a treat. Uh, thank you so much for, for giving of your time and sharing uh, so freely uh, of your work. I appreciate how much detail uh, you went into on some of those answers. Very, very helpful. I highly recommend the book. Again, Joanna, thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me, Jeff. And uh, people can always come over to thecreativepen.com uh, to find out more about writing a book or marketing a book. If you'd like to connect with Joanna online, visit her website or find out more about the books she recommended or any of the other links and resources we talked about, you can visit the show notes page created especially for this episode. You'll find it at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 178. And there you'll also find a special bonus book summary we've created especially for Joanna's book, 
how to market a book. It is absolutely free. Pick that up again. Read to lead podcast.com slash one seven eight. Please remember our sponsor, FreshBooks. They make this podcast possible. You can visit them and find out more by going to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and entering read to lead in the how did you hear about us section and try all the FreshBooks features free for 30 days when you go to that special link. If you have time, we'd love it if you'd rate and review the podcast. One place to do that is in iTunes. You can go to readleadpodcast.com slash iTunes to do that. And if you happen to find it five-star worthy, we just might share your name on a future episode of the show. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read to Lead.